agonizing lack of give in a covert narcissist. I am going to try to explain the unexplainable, the lack of give when communicating with a covert narcissist, the absence of the regular flow of give and take that thus makes you feel like you are talking to avoid. It is painful, agonizing, exhausting, and it crushes your spirit. I'm Renee Swanson, the creator of CNG, that's the Covert Narcissism Group. We're an online support group for abuse victims of covert narcissism, and you can find us on Facebook. You know, in regular conversations, people give and take. We, we validate each other's thoughts and feelings. We validate their existence. We validate that we're hearing them and that they matter. When you're in a regular, casual conversation with someone, or even a, a more intense conversation, we confirm that we're hearing what each other are saying. You know, we make little sounds like, uh-huh, and yeah, or gestures like a nod or a smile, you know, just even eye contact. And, and we even might make comments like, you might say, sure, or, you know, that's true, or that's great if it's something positive, or if, if it's something negative, you might say, oh, I hate that for you. And, and you're not interrupting their conversation or their, their train of thought or anything, but we make these little comments to validate what, what we're hearing, to validate kind of what we're gathering on how they're feeling and how they're thinking. And, and we react to each other in conversation. Well, all of these remarks show understanding and, and agreement or support. Even disagreement will show in our little remarks that we make. But at the very least, they validate your interaction with that other person. You don't feel like you're talking into a void. Now we're going to talk about this void. I discovered this void in my marriage. This is when you're in communication with somebody, you know, this was my husband. I, I thought of all relationships, that would be the one where I could, you know, feel the most comfortable in conversation, but there was no feedback no interaction, no validation. You know, at times it felt like I didn't even exist to him. It, it was like time had stopped and I was living in some alternate reality. Like, like I wanted to say, are you, are you there? A am I here? You know, it, it was often like he wasn't even there. It's this blank stare that just it just goes off into space. Victims of covert narcissistic abuse talk about this blank stare, you know, quite a bit. You hear this and it's like they're staring into space like a zombie. It's crazy. There's absolutely no reaction to anything you're saying at all. And it almost made me wonder, okay, am I actually talking? Am I saying these things out loud? Like words are coming out of my mouth, right? And these thoughts are going through your head while you're talking. And it, it just, it drive you nuts. I, I would get to a spot in the conversation where people like would naturally normally interject something, you know, like a, a reaction. And so I would pause in expectation and I got nothing. And I mean, nothing. Silence. Like I'm talking to a statue and it was awkward. It was empty and it, it was painful. So I go on talking, like, like wondering, okay, is he hearing me? 
wondering if I'm making sense, you know, wondering maybe he's disagreeing with me inside. And so I got to defend myself now. And, and it often led me to keep explaining myself even further because you start to feel defensive. You feel like their silence is due maybe to disagreement or to disappointment or something negative. You know, give me something here, man. So now I'm explaining even further, wondering in my mind, the back of my mind, why he's not reacting to what I'm saying. Well, this often led to frustration on his part, because then with nothing else being said, no other feedback from him, all of a sudden I get, I'm not an idiot. You don't have to explain that. Well, okay, then talk to me, interact with me acknowledge me, give me something here. I'll give you an example. I remember asking one time if he would run the weed eater and he asked when. So I responded and I said, you know, today, if you can, that would be great. But if not, you know, maybe you could do it tomorrow is what's tomorrow look like. And I got silence, no answer, no acknowledgement, complete silence. So I'd ask again, hey, you know, is that okay? Can you run the weed eater? And I might get silence even a second time. And I mean silence, like nothing. No, no nod, no, uh-huh, no, you know, uh, I don't know, nothing. And so then I, I might even ask again, hey, you know, what do you think about the weed eater? Can you run it? Because now you're trying to find ways to ask without feeling like you're nagging, you know, nagging him but you still want an answer. You just, I just want an answer. If it needs to be, Hey, I'm, I'm busy this week and I can't do it at all. I just, I need an answer. Well, by the time I go to ask a second or third time, now I get an aggressive and mean answer back. I'll do it. You already asked me, geez. Well, then answer me. I just wanted to scream. Just answer my question. Well, now he's mad. I feel bad for even asking in the first place. And I pay for it the entire evening because everything's now, you know, he, he's angry and everything's now reactive. It's just easier to do it myself. The problem is that this applied to so many of our conversations and daily interactions that I found myself doing everything because I didn't want to ask him because I didn't want the silence the awkwardness. And every time I got the silence, I knew that I was going to have to ask again or just go do it. And, and even then that didn't work either. Because then if I just went and did it, like on the weed eating example, like if I just went and did it then, well, then he'd be mad at me. You asked me to do it. Why are you doing it? Well, come on, work with me here. There's give me something. There's got to be some give. I'll give you another example. I spent the day with our boys while he was at work. I was a stay-at-home mom, and I definitely interacted with our boys a lot. And he had complained, you know, that I I didn't tell him what was going on with our boys. Like, you never you never fill me in on your day, or you never talk to me when I get home. And and so this was some of the complaints. And, and there's probably some truth to that, because he had gotten so difficult to talk to that, yeah, I didn't want to talk to him. But, you know, I was, at this point, I was still trying to work on our marriage and still trying to make things work. So he got home from work and he sat down on the couch. I had greeted him. We'd greeted each other and he pulled out his phone to play games. Well, I had been excited to tell him about some of the things we had done that day because we actually had had a, an active day. It wasn't a boring day and I, I was kind of excited to talk to him. 
So I sat down beside him and I started to tell him a little bit about our day. Well, he didn't say anything. Nothing. No reaction. No, no, you know, don't, he doesn't even look up at me. He's staring at his phone in complete silence. And, and he keeps playing his game. And so I, I keep telling him, you know, about our day. And, and other times, like when I've complained to him about, you know, being on his games, how much he's on his games. And he, when he would complain to me about, well, you never talk to me. And I'm like, well, you're always on your phone. And he goes, well, I'm listening. Even if I'm on my phone, I'm listening. So that's no excuse. And so I keep talking to him, you know, and I'm telling him about the day and I'm getting no reaction, nothing. And out of the clear blue with no prior acknowledgement or anything, he just aggressively snaps. Okay. Well, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not going to talk to that. And so I just stopped talking. I walked in. I cleaned the kitchen. He never asked another thing about my day. He never acknowledged any of that had ever happened. And I never said another word to him about the things that had happened that day. You know, he can't give a little bit in that. This is what I'm talking about with that lack of give. And it is hard to understand if you've never lived it. But you would just, like, respond with, hey, can I have five minutes first? Or even just say, hey, I really do want to hear about your day, but can I have, give me a few minutes. Let me just, give me just a minute, and then I'll, then I'll listen. Anything. Give me some interaction. Even if it is, hey, I need to talk later, that's fine. In a healthy relationship, you have some give and take. It's confirmation that you're hearing the other person that you get what they're saying and, and that they matter to you. That stone cold silence hurts. It leaves the other person feeling insecure. It leaves them feeling unworthy of your time and attention. You know, you doubt what you're saying. When I, when I meet and met with that silence, I doubted what I was saying. I thought, Maybe I'm not explaining it well. Do my words make sense? You feel like you're having to explain everything just in order to be heard. Now add to that, not only is that silence painfully piercing, but the cold, sharp answers that follow it, they cut through your soul. How a person interacts with you affects how you feel. You may not remember exactly what a person says, but you will remember exactly how they made you feel. And when you're having to explain these kind of, this kind of give and take in a relationship with an adult, that's a problem. Especially with an adult that you've lived with for 10 years, 20 years, you know, your spouse. When you're trying to explain to them that there's a difference between saying, okay, and okay. There's a problem. You know, I found myself trying to explain to him the difference when I, I said, okay, but when I call your name and I say, hey, John, his name's not John, but, but hey, John. And he can respond with, yeah, what's up? Or he can respond with, what? There's a difference. And again, trying to explain that to a full-grown adult. Number one, you should never have to. And number two, it means something's really wrong here. Another time that that silence turned up, you know, just to be so painfully piercing was any time that my husband got hurt. And I'll give you an example. And I mean, by injuries, I mean injuries that then involved another person. Like 
Here's an example. We're playing football in the backyard. And and by we, it's it's my husband, myself, and our two boys. And our oldest son is is fighting for the football with them. Like we're we're throwing the ball back and forth to the opposite ends of the yard, and we're just kind of fighting for the ball. Well, when you do that, you're going to bump into each other some. There's going to be some some physical you know engagement. And I in in the process of of our son and him going up after the ball, my son our our son hit his elbow, hit his arm, hit his elbow in some way. And I don't I still to this day don't really know what happened. But it hurt my husband's arm, his elbow. Well, he hollered, oh, and he, and he starts walking off, like aggressively leaving. And our son is now following behind him going, dad, dad, I'm sorry. Dad, are you okay? And there's no acknowledgement. None. No, you know, no turning around and going, yeah, I'm okay. I just, let me, give me a minute. No, even, hey, no, I'm not okay. This really hurt. There's no acknowledgement at all. And he's walking across the yard, headed into the house aggressively. And our son is following along behind him going, dad, dad, dad. And at just before he enters the house, all he does is he yells back at him. Doesn't even look around. Doesn't turn around. Doesn't face him. Nothing. Just goes, I'm fine. And storms into the house. Well, this leaves our son feeling horrible. He feels worthless. He feels like everything is his fault. He feels like he's just, you know, he's just a failure in how he, you know, has interacted now with his dad. He felt horrible and it shut him down so bad. And I looked at our son and said, no, 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 no. This isn't your fault. If you're going to play football in the backyard, you're going to bumper into each other some, you're going to get hurt some. But there's still no excuse for him to treat our son that way. So I got the kids back engaged in playing football. And I just kind of tried to get him to shake it off some. And after a few minutes, maybe 10 minutes, I don't know. I went into the house. And and he was sitting on the couch. And he had an ice pack on his elbow. And I asked him, I said, hey, are you okay? Oh, I, I think I will be. Or something something to that effect. And I said, well, good. And, and I said, you know, you ask me to tell you when what you're saying and how you're interacting with us is hurting. And I want to use this example because it just happened. And so I told him how he left his son feeling, like how much that hurt his son. And his answer to me was, well, I don't know how I could have done anything any different. I said I was fine. And I'm trying to explain how he said it how he behaved, how he interacted or didn't interact with his son. I said, turn around, turn around and talk to him. Look your son in the face and say, hey, I know it was an accident. I'm okay. This, this wasn't your fault. It was just an accident. Give him something. Give, give. Covert narcissists don't know how to give. There's no room for it. You know, a person that has empathy or compassion, they, they recognize the feelings of the other person. They would know that their son is hurting and feels responsible for the injury that just happened. And they would desire to take that weight off of their son's shoulders. Not leaving him feeling responsible and bad. But with a covert narcissist, there is absolutely no give. Not the tiniest, slightest bit. It's a relationship that is full of hurt. 
when there's no give, it's the difference between somebody saying, I didn't yell, or I didn't think I was yelling. I didn't think I was yelling leaves room for some give. It's the difference between saying, I never said that, or I don't remember saying that. It's the difference between saying, I didn't say it like that, or I don't feel like I said it that way. It's the difference between saying, well, why should I apologize? And I'm sorry. Again, a relationship without give is a relationship full of hurt. Why do covert narcissists have no give in their interactions? That I'm going to save for a future episode, but it's coming soon. And, and I do see, I, with the thousands of victims I've worked with and, and with my own situation, I do see. I see why it's there, what to do about it, and how to help them. You know, there's, there's a lot of people that say that they can't get help, and I understand why they're saying that. We're going to dive into some of this in later episodes. So if, if you're enjoying these episodes, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast, follow this, this podcast, so that you can stay current with these episodes. The other thing I want to ask you is if you are benefiting from what you are hearing here and you want to reach out and help others, I ask you to consider donating to our cause because even the smallest donations go a long ways in supporting our work and in helping others. Now, whether you can or cannot, no worries. It's okay. Thanks for listening. I'm, I'm thrilled that you're here and I hope that this helps. But if you can donate to our cause, it would be greatly appreciated. You know, trying to understand what it's like and, and this lack of give in a covert narcissist, it's like trying to catch a ghost. As soon as you think you have a grasp on it, it disappears again. We are trying to understand something that is almost impossible to even talk about. It's hard because it isn't always in what they did, it's in what they didn't do, what they didn't say. That stone cold silence and that lack of give. So I hope that this helps. I hope that we can, you know, together go help our world to get a better grasp of this thing that's the, the, to explain the unexplainable. And I wish you much peace on your journey of healing. I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you.